Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a very special edition of Cinema Sommelier, where we, of course, taste test movies. I'm Gary T. Moore. And I'm Zachary Wachaleski. And today we have the pleasure of talking about the very brand new Dune, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Okay, so welcome back for this special episode talking about Dune. This is a, a movie, it was adapted from a book, um, so the book by Frank Herbert. It's been done a couple times before. This is the first time that I think, I at least from my perspective, it's been done well. But the movie takes place in a simple way. It's almost like a Star Wars, but with Game of Thrones type of elements mixed that into is, it. That's a perfect, yeah, yeah, that's a perfect description. Yeah, it's just like this big Hollywood sci-fi movie. It has an all-star cast. So essentially it, it has these houses. It has House Atreides, which um, Timothy Chalamet is Paul Atreides. Rebecca Ferguson's his mother. Oscar Isaac's his father, who's the king. He's got his own crew around him of like Jason Momoa. He's got Josh Brolin. And then they go, they take over this planet. They have enemies, enemy houses, and the emperor, and all sorts of things are going on. In the book, it's this sort of house war over one planet, um, which produces spice. So that's the planet Arrakis or the planet Dune. Um, and that's where all of this movie, or at least 90% of this movie, takes place. Which they can read anywhere, but before we go any further, spoiler alert. This just came out uh, this past weekend. Uh, spoiler alert, so if you have not seen this, um, this is our warning. Either keep listening or go watch the movie. Pause us right now, watch the movie, uh, and we'll see you in two and a half hours. Yeah, I would say our strong recommendation is to watch this movie. So yes. if you're listening to this to get a recommendation, go watch it. Go then watch come the back and listen. Yeah. I feel like you're a part of this conversation because this might just be us sort of talking about the highlights of, of what we enjoy. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt no. you. Please, no, please, that is, please keep that going. Is perfect. Yeah. So between House Atreides, House Harkonnen was the house that owned the planet Dune before. They were basically the ones who were rich because they were manufacturing spice off of Dune. And um, yeah, I, th I think that's really it until we start getting into the details of the story. But knowing we only have 30 minutes, let's just try to cover as much as we possibly can. Yeah, and it's you know it's uh, it's a beast to cover. It's it um, like you said, a, a perfect mixture of Game of Thrones and Star Wars. I was thinking that the entire time. Um, uh, more so on the front, uh, I was telling somebody today that it reminded me of Game of Thrones because I'm like I had to just I had to stop and I was like, okay, this person is with this house, this person is with this, <laughs> right. and that person is with this. Uh, but, you know, with the family aspect of it, it was a lot like Star Wars and the whole, you know, fighting good versus evil kind of thing. Uh, um, the classic tale. Um, it was a lot like Star Wars. And it was a realm. The realm itself uh, kind of reminded me of Star Wars. Um, even one of the ships. I wish I knew right. the name of the ships. Um, yeah. But it was one of the or the harvesters, maybe. It reminded me of, of, of uh, one of the ships that the... Uh, uh, the sand were they the sand people were on in Star Wars? Uh, those little guys. Who are the, who are they called? The the people with the staffs 
I don't know. I'm sorry. You're on your own here. I'm sorry to every <laughs> every Star Wars fan that might be listening, which of course is everybody. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I'm a little uh, outside of that realm. Same. Um, Tusken Raider. The Tusken Raiders. Uh, I just remembered I'd sent somebody a Tusken Raider thing, whatever. <laughs> uh, it, it, it looked like a ship from the Tusken Raiders, and um, I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's lovely. Of course, the Tusken Raiders and Star Wars does not have a gigantic sandworm which we'll get into a little bit right uh, right later right yeah no i think so beyond beyond the phenomenal cast i think just like the big scale element of this movie like they put so much money into making this movie in the most appropriate way that i think they could have like in adapting the book as someone to i know i read this book um leading up to the movie because i just wanted to be informed with like what's going on like i knew that it was sort of a beast to read and it's always very hard to adapt. They did really well in adapting those those like big elements. It didn't feel overly CGI'd in a lot of situations. Like obviously there was a use of CGI, but um, Denis, the director, does a lot with trying to just make it real world things. So he's okay. trying to like when they have ramps onto ships, like they're actually building those ramps. It's not just CGI and, and green screens. Like they're trying to make as much models of like the the fortresses and things like that yeah. they're making um, rather than just making everything CGI and having it feel more of just like, we're going to cheap our way out of it by having it be digital. Um, obviously some of it has to be because there's space travel scenes at some point, but, right. um, but yeah, so I, I think yeah, you're right. The, the ships felt really amazing. The, the helicopter things, the, the thopters as they're called. The dragonflies? Yeah, they're just dragonfly like, helicopters. Was that, now, was that, because uh, I, I haven't read the book, uh, was that different in the book? I thought that was a really cool aspect of the film that they got in, because, you know, you look at this movie from the outside and you're like, oh, they're going to have some type of cool, like, you know, Millennium Falcon type thing or, right. you know, X-Fighter or whatever. And then you see these dragonfly ships, which... You know their their wings flap like a dragonfly, and then that's how they fly, and then they can fold the wings back for diving maneuvers and stuff like that, which is amazing. Cool. Was, yes. was, yeah. Was th was that the same way in the book, or was it? I would say just to answer this question as an overarching blanket, everything that was in this movie kind of felt like it's exactly how it, like they they kept coming back to the book to reference how do we make something. And okay. like I've heard uh, that's how like sort of Denny took it is like the book was the Bible while they were filming. If right. they ever had a question while they were shooting, he had a book with him at all times to go like, OK, let's just read this and just make sure that we're really doing this the most appropriate way. So, yeah, I, th I think so. Um, I don't know if that's how I pictured them in my head, but a lot of movie making out of books is like you're you have your own interpretation of how of you wrote something. So, but yeah, I think that those are phenomenal. Um, I think everything like the worms and everything like else like that was just so cool to see. Yeah. Um, and was something that, like they didn't shy away from. Like it was one of my fears was like because it was going to be expensive to make giant worms or to make these thopters or to make something else. Like are they going to shy away from showing them? And no, I feel like it was just a pr prominent part of this movie. So it's just really eye-catching and really fun. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, knowing – a little bit about Dune before I went into this. Um, that's something that had to be done, right? Yeah. And it had to be done right because right. you don't want you don't want this huge thing, and it looks like you know Kevin Bacon in trimmers, 
You don't want that. Right? <laughs> Although I'm not taking anything away from that. It's great in its own right. But you don't want to go into doing this huge fantasy world, whatever, whatever, um, and have the, 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 the worm that they literally like build right. up and build up and build up right. to be just, oh, cool. It's a minor inconvenience. Or like the worm from Ghostbusters, right? Which, uh, not Ghostbusters, uh, Beetlejuice. I don't know why I said yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, the worm from Beetlejuice, which in its own right, of course, very, very cool. But wouldn't fit in that world. And so I think, you know, with as much outside, you know, from an outsider's point of view, I thought it was great. I thought that the, the worm effect looked really good. They told the story of the, the giant sandworm um, and the fact that they had like uh, determent equipment from the sandworm. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, it, if, if it doesn't travel on sand, if it's not the sand's natural movement, then the, then the worm is automatically attracted to it. So any human walking, any animal walking, except for something the small size of a, uh, a mouse, a which, mouse, which they get into, which I thought was very adorable. Um, uh, you have to have uh, the, the people there um, develop a certain form of walking, which mimics the, the flow of sand. And if you don't have that, you're dead in the water. And so they've also developed machinery that mimics human rhythmic patterns right and so that way the sandworm attacks that and you can either run away or cause a diversion or some sort of thing so um i thought that was a really a really nice element um and and something that played a a pretty pretty good part in everything yeah and i think that there's a lot of things like that there's a lot of nuance that happens in the book specifically like the sand walking and the voice and things like that. Like, so beyond the houses, there's also like a religious cult called the Bene Gesserit. And they have the special ability to almost command with their voice where they can like give you a suggestion. And if it is successful, you take it and you do whatever their suggestion is. There's things like that, that in the book were just so densely described Okay. I think that this movie did a really good job. Like it starts off with the voice very early on with um, Paul and Lady Jessica, his mother. So Timothy and and Rebecca Ferguson. And they sort of introduce it in just such a fun way of like him sort of like cutting out the soundscape and just like focusing on like, can I produce the voice? And then the voice had this like almost like guttural like feel to it, like this reverberating feel to it. And I'm like, it just – it turned out so well and, and explained something that was explained so complicated in the book in just a quick six-second time lapse. So yeah. it, it was really nice. And 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 that's another kind of uh, flashback uh, comparison to The Force. Like it reminds you a little right. bit of The Force, um, especially how they use it a, a bit later on in the movie, which we I don't think we'll touch on that much. But like let's just say it ends up working in his favor. Uh, a right. little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that. It was a little confusing. Um, yeah. I just bet. because it's like, it's like, oh, like not being in that world that you've been in for, right. you know, we- weeks or months or however long it took you to read the book. Not being in that world, it was like, oh, okay. But it did set it up nicely. It was like, yeah. okay, there's all, there's something about this kid. There's something about him and his mom's relationship there's something that they can channel that will allow them to get their way. Much like these are not the droids you're looking for. And and honestly, like that's, 
that's almost the only important thing that mattered, right? Like is getting that message of like, this is what the voice is. Like you don't really need to know a lot of the detail that the book goes into. You just needed to know that there are people who have the ability to sort of control you with their voice. Um, but yeah, so there, there was a lot of weird things. Do you have any specific moments of you watching it and being like, what the heck did I sign up to watch? Because I feel like there were a lot of them. If I didn't read the book, I would have watched it and been like, what is happening? Like now there's just a shot of like a bleeding hand or like a bloody hand and like stuff like that, where it's just like, did it all piece together without having read the book beforehand? I I think it did. Uh, And it took the entire, you know, two and a half hour journey. And of course, this is just Dune part one, right? Right which I did not know I signed up for. Um, <laughs> but it, it was Dune Part 1, and uh, yeah, I I mean, I like the way they introduced Zendaya's character in a dream, yep. and then in dreams and dreams and dreams, uh, uh, which Paul has and kind of predicts the future or whatever. Um, I, I, I was a little confused on, like I said a little bit earlier, the, the names and the families, you know, that different houses, that was a little confusing, but that got better as the movie went on. Um, it was a little bit like, oh, now we'll cut to these and we'll, we'll, we're right. with Dave, we're with Dave Batista, um, yelling the whole time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the bleeding hand, uh, I was a little confused. I'm like, why? And I'm still a little confused because it looked like definite spoiler alert it looked like in his dream that zendaya had stabbed him but then he still goes with her and it also looked like jason momoa was one of those people i don't know i know it said that he died but like that guy i don't know if it was jason yeah. momoa or a guy that looks exactly like jason momoa i'm like why are you centering it on this guy if jason momoa's character definitely just got capped up like i don't know so that Nothing big major, but it was like, uh, maybe that's a little weird. That was the part for me where it seemed like they took a bit of creative liberties to go away from the book to try to make what they wanted the answer to something that like wasn't really asked, I guess. Like, okay. So the way that I think about it is like in the book, they focus a lot on Paul's visions. So right, right. when he ingests the spice, he's able to sort of see into the future and see what's going to happen in a certain amount of time in the future. Um, And as he's ingesting more, he's getting more and more visions. The visions are getting stronger. So the visions themselves aren't necessarily clear to Paul in the beginning. There's a lot of things that are happening and he isn't sure how to piece them all together. So when it first starts happening, I think that's where I've, I've gotten a lot of questions of like uh, Haley has asked me questions where she's like, I don't understand this part of the vision. Like, why – it looked like he got stabbed. Like, what yeah, happened? Yeah, it definitely and, yeah. Right. And and I think that's, like, him seeing different possibilities in the future because they sort of touch on that, like, he feels this immense guilt of, like, knowing what's going to happen and knowing – like, they talked about, like, the Holy Wars, the Jihad. Yeah. And how he's going to play such a vital, vital role in that happening, knowing that that's going to lead to – a decimation of a bunch of people. So yeah. I feel like he's sort of battling this. He doesn't want this war. He doesn't want lives on his hands. So it seems like some of the visions are alluding to that, but they're just very 
if you don't know the book and you didn't know that that was something that he was like was weighing on him, then it, it isn't clear. I would say that to me, that was still the most confusing part. And I read the book. <laughs> right. And I, I, I will say, um, I mean, with one line, they kind of sum that up uh, when he's fighting uh, homeboy, uh, which is Josh Brolin. No, no, no. Oh my God. That fight, that fight was beautiful. Yeah. I love the way they shot that, the way they did that whole thing. Yep. It kind of introduced you to how, you know, their armor works and all that kind of stuff. Uh, no, when he's fighting the angry guy that doesn't want him to help out his people towards the end of the movie. The guy at the very end. Yeah. He's already met Zendaya and yeah. So they're all, they're there and um, he keeps on getting to these points where he could have just like ended this guy easily. Right. Right. And um, his mom says, you know, he's never killed someone before. And it's like, okay, now these visions kind of, they play in a little better because like, of course, I mean, I think anybody would, would be scared of religious right. wars and huge holy wars and all that kind of stuff. Um, but knowing that, knowing that, you know, he's, it, it kind of puts him in like, he is young, right? And I'm right. glad they don't harp on like, oh, he's just a child or, oh, I'm glad they don't harp on that the whole movie. Right. Um, they mention it like twice, but it's very like, you know, he's still young or like, he's never killed anybody. He's never, they're never like, this kid's a baby or whatever. Um, which I thought was very good and different. Right. I honestly, I don't even think there was a lot of exposition at all in this movie. Like, True. like you said, like they, they kind of explain that with one line. I feel like that's been something where I'm just like, Oh, how did they explain the shields that you're just like, Oh, you had like, you have to go slower to like penetrate the shield. So like, there's a lot of elements of like, well, you can't use like a normal gun because a gun bullet moves too fast that the shield yeah. would block it. So you have to like sort of evolve. And that's why there's a lot of hand to hand combat. And so there's things like that. There's elements that that was only explained in that Josh Brolin and Timothy Chalamet fight at the beginning where yeah. he, like, he like goes in, he's like, you have to go slow to penetrate a shield. And that's it. They just never addressed it ever again. Yeah. And it's stuff like that where it's like they did explain, but if you didn't catch it or if you went to the bathroom for those like right 30 seconds, you're going to miss out on a lot of things where you don't yeah. understand. And also a good fight. That fight was – Fantastic fight. Oh, my God. I think so good. the choreography in this movie was phenomenal in, yeah. in those fight scenes. So – and they're only going to get better as things start building up again, Dune 2. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, that that does happen. Um, but Dune 2 will build that tension. So as you said, it's yeah. this is only covering a majority of the book. It doesn't cover all of it. Okay. Um, so I think they're going to have a lot of the tense scenes – um, so how did you feel? How did you feel about the ending? Like speaking of like the Jameis fight at the end, um, I liked it. It 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 left me wanting more, which was great yeah. because it's a two and a half hour movie. I'm not a fan <laughs> of super long movies, right? Right. But it it was visually stunning. Yep. Like the entire movie, like you know, as I've directed theater before, uh, plenty of times, and like you always want to create that picture, right? Everything in this movie was a picture, like. Yeah. It was like, like at some points you couldn't tell if you're, you know, like my TV goes on standby and it's like, oh, pictures of the Sahara <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Like you couldn't tell if it was that or like you're still in Doom, which was uh, the point, I think. It was right. so pretty, so well shot, so well directed, uh, so well written. Like it was very simple, but yeah. it got the point across, you know, and, and going from a huge book. 
I think that that's a feat. Yeah. What I think is amazing, speaking of just like how captivating it was, it's like, they, I mean, they flew through the two thirds of the book that I think that they flew through. Um, but a lot of it doesn't have a lot of like tense battles. Like we talked about the battles now, but a lot of it is just like visuals. A lot of it is just like yeah. the beauty of the water when they're on Kaladin at the beginning of the movie or the the beauty of the desert and just like having the sand moving, stuff like that where they didn't really do anything, right? Like they they just filmed in Norway or they filmed in the Middle East and they yeah. filmed in like Abu Dhabi to film a bunch of these things. So it's just like they did that and then mixed it with a score from Hans Zimmer. And it's just like, this is gorgeous. It's like, oh, okay. Like how can you, how can you want more? Let's so, give it an Oscar. Like exactly. Right, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Were, were there any like big, like what would you say? Cause you also saw it in, in theaters. I saw I it did. Uh, from my living room. Um, what would you say is something that I may have missed out on or uh, that, that, you know, you would recommend seeing it in theaters because of XYZ. To me, going into a lot of what this movie was, which is that world building, that captivating element, there's a lot going on, but it's doing it in a way that's really just imagery and the music behind it. Being in a theater gives you more of that. And like, right. I, I in no way am, am endorsing going out if you don't think that it's safe to go out. But like right. having your seats vibrate with a Hans Zimmer score that's going on having just the giant picture of like just sand it kind of like thrusts you into it a little bit because you're feeling the shake of the music and you're also seeing the sand flowing and it's just like massive in front of you so i think there's just something to the size of it all yeah. and in the scaling of going into a movie theater and just being there being present the other thing i would add um is I went – it is a pretty crowded theater, um, which I was kind of expecting with the anticipation of this movie. But I left the theater and it just kind of felt like we were all a part of history. Like it, it almost felt like I was seeing Star Wars in theaters like way back when it was first released because okay. people left the theaters and like they were hugging and congratulating each other. And I'm like, you guys didn't do anything but watch a fantastic movie. Yeah, yeah. But there's just this culture around it that I just thought was like special to be there and to be present with. That's awesome. No, that's really good. Uh, I mean, I hugged my wife after the movie. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no, that's fantastic. That's really good. Um, yeah, and, and I definitely think this is one of those movies that was made for yeah. the big screen, right? I agree. Um, some movies, you can – most movies, you, I, I'll argue, you can get away with watching it home or whatever, whatever. But yeah. I think this is one of those movies that eventually I will end up seeing on the big screen because yeah. you have to. It's like, you know, it's like this – I think everybody should see the Dark Knight in movie theaters because it's it's just made for it, right? Right. Um, and it, it you you can you can enjoy your time at home, you can enjoy the movie at home, but I think something uh, like you said, it's immersion, and and, right. that's, and, right. and this is the kind of movie that lets you get immersed in it. Yep. Speaking of Batman, I'll transition there. Okay. So <laughs> this is going to be a big transition, a bold transition, but. The, I think it's the cinematographer um, who did this movie. I don't know his name off the top. Greg Frazier um, was the director of photographer. So the, this cinematographer, he also did um, the new Batman that's coming out soon. Oh. So 
the cast in this and like just the crew alone, like people who like you would never really be talking about the cinematographer, I would say, or at least I, neither of us are that much in the movie world where right. we're going to be like studying cinematographers. Yeah. But there's things like that where like they just really got some of the best of the best to do a lot of the things that average moviegoers aren't going to be looking at and aren't going to be like, I want to go see this because Greg Frazier was the cinematographer. Right, 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 yeah. So I think there's just something to this of like they had everyone who was really at the top of their game doing the parts that they were associated with, and it all just came together. Yeah, I, and I think – and it shows. It really right. does. Right. Um, I wish I had like a negative note uh, about this movie. <laughs> I do too. Uh, bes- I mean besides the fact that it was a little too long, but you needed it there. <laughs> I get it. You needed it. Um before if, yeah go ahead i was gonna say if i were to add negative notes and i feel like the most prominent negative note that comes to my head is just i wanted more and like that okay. seems like a pretty crappy negative note because it's just like it's so good that i just really wanted more of it i i understand the timing perspective i felt captivated for the entire movie but there's also a lot of things that i felt like they cut out from the book okay like they they cut out a lot of the tense moments of the book like there's a dinner scene that happens in the book for those who have who've read it it's like a good comedic relief element in it and there's just a lot of like everyone is trying to like deceive somebody else at the dinner scene and so there's things like that that happened that were some of my favorite scenes to read in the book okay and like a, a drunken jason momoa could have been great in this movie that's true I understand why they took it out because like they ended up just taking out a whole big element of it, but it kind of took out some of the tension and made it feel more of just storytelling than it was a tense drama filled first half of this book. Okay. That would be my biggest complaint. Okay. Uh, um, Yeah. I I think for me it's just the length, but like I said, and like you said, you need it, you need that there or it's not the, the epic it is. Um, Before we get into scoring, do you have any like – I only asked this because I took down some. uh, Do you have any uh, like quotes or anything that you took away that you were like, that's pretty – that's pretty good. That's pretty – like I like that. A lot of the quotes that were the most memorable to me were ones that were from the book. So like the fear is a mind killer, things like that. Like they took directly just like verbatim from the book, uh, which I, I just think is a great homage to the book. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have I have two that I wrote down. Uh, one is uh, dreams make good stories, but everything important happens when we're awake. I yep. was like, I was like, God, that's so good. Is that from the book or? I don't think it is, but that also might be a quote that's from the director. Like, I think he said something similar to that in the past. Okay. Um, so that might be something that he's just like drawing on a past quote that he said. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, I wrote down, thank you for the gift of your body's moisture. Uh, when homeboy <laughs> spits, spit spits on the table, I'm like, God, that's so good. That's so – it makes yeah. you ch- – because you don't know the value right. yet, it's right. like, oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, God, it was so good. So such a – go see it. Go see this movie. Absolutely. Um, so let's get into uh, ratings and – uh, comparing this thing to a to a drink, so uh, I will let you have the honor of going first. Oh, so are we doing like a sixty second spit take as well on top of it? Can uh, I get yeah. sixty seconds to rant? Yeah, let's get let's get <laughs> yeah let's let's encompass it all into one big thing. Yeah, heck yeah! All right, um, 
cool. So start the clock. So this movie's big. It's large scale. It's got a phenomenal cast, phenomenal crew. I think to me, the biggest surprise of this is probably Lady Jessica. So Rebecca Ferguson, she had to have so much range in this movie from Mm -hmm. confident and fierce to just like outright terror for her own child. And the depth of that I just thought was fantastic. And then just incorporating a lot of the like Arabic elements of where the book got its inspiration, the Shai Halud and the Jihad, like all of these terms were an homage to sort of what Frank Herbert was trying to write into into his storytelling. And like that was present in the audio, the visuals, everything. So I thought that like they really incorporated not even just the material of the book, but just the background of the book as well. Like they really got invested into it and I thought it was fantastic. Um, So as for scoring, I mean, if we're going one to a hundred scale, I'm not going to say it's perfect. I'm holding out hope that the second part is going to be better than the first. I'm going to give it, let's give it like a 96. Giving it room to improve. But also, it just was fantastic. In terms of a wine, I'm going to be picky and tell more about myself than anything else. I think it's going to just be like a cab salve. Like, I'm just going to go like one of the wines that I'm like, I could drink this at any time. Like, it doesn't matter what I have going on. Like, I just think that it's just, it's perfect for me. And okay. in, in that it's not going to be perfect for everybody, but like, I just love it. And I don't have any more comparison elements beyond just the fact that I think it's fantastic. So I'm going to pair it with something that I think is fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, that's good. So as far as my rant is concerned, uh, I was, uh, I was nervous going into this. Um, sci-fi, if you will, is not really my forte. Um, I, but I, I rather enjoyed this one. I was also nervous um, because it can either be a blessing or a curse if you get so many talented people in the same room or on the same screen. And thankfully for this, it worked out so well in their favor. Um, And I will say, yeah, Lady Jessica stole the show. She was incredible. Um, As did Javier Bardem, like so good. I, I wanted, I found myself wanting a little bit more Zendaya because like they made her intriguing. It was like, what, who, uh, how is this, per- like, you know, you didn't know about her, um, which hopefully is the point. Uh, but hats off absolutely to uh, Timothy Chalamet, who will probably get an Oscar for this. Uh, yeah. if, if it's hopefully. not me. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, as far as a uh, rating is concerned, on 1 to 100, uh, you know, I'm going to give it a 93. Um, like you said, it's not perfect, but it, it is, it is, if, if you don't watch this and if you don't pay attention to this, it's still gorgeous to have on your screen. So it's a good background. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's still a good background, which is, is great. And, uh, as far as a, a drink comparison, uh, I look this up. There is a cocktail, uh, called the blood and sand. Uh, it is a classic Scotch-based cocktail uh, that was introduced in the 1930s. Um, it goes on to say something about it was – it gets its name from a 1922 bullfighter movie, which 
goes further into this because uh, a you know bullfighting is in the family. Yeah. So blood and sand cocktail, um, which would be interesting to taste. I'm I surprised guess. you didn't just say a spiced wine, Gary. I was going to. <laughs> um, I was going to, uh, but I'm like, you know what? Let's make this a little bit more creative, a little bit more interesting. Yeah. No, I like that one. Um, this is going to be an interesting ending to the show. Yeah, because we, we don't, don't spin have... a wheel. No, uh, I guess we can tune, take this. Yeah. Tune in next week for Coco, assuming that we can get around to doing another movie in, in the span of another week. But yeah. um, tune in next week. We'll have Coco for you. Another just phenomenal so cast good. and everything. It's so just everything. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my God. Another um, Oscar-winning movie, assuming that Dune is also going to win a couple Oscars. I, it'll take something away. Hans Zimmer yeah. on the score. Yeah, uh, sure. It's going to take something away. Yep. So, uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, for Cinema Sommelier, I am Gary T. Moore. And I'm Zachary Wachaleski. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank you.